Live at Bar Canada inside the D Hotel and Casino, it's Cofield and Company. I like what I just heard. Did you? Well, listener Woody, yeah, absolutely, because uh, I, I, he's a Packers fan. He's here. So he's talking about Aaron Rodgers and, and trading for Aaron Rodgers. We'll get into what Woody was saying, but uh, what I like was that the fan, the better, was backing the player and not the organization. I saw some of that over the weekend, and I will suppress the Mount Cofield. Really, that's for Koken, Mount Koken. I will not allow the lava to flow free yet. Because I was getting really annoyed over the weekend. I'm not even an Aaron Rodgers fan. With some of the stuff I was hearing fans say about A-Rod. All right, let's get to it. It's time for The Three. Presented by Nova Home Loans. Call now at 877-700-NOVA. We didn't get to finish up the convo there with Koken. We got the game tonight. VGK is taking on... The Wild, what would you do from a betting standpoint? They're minus 118, and Dave was mentioning, I mean, this game does not fall into this category. Dave was mentioning uh, these last games in the NHL, you got to watch for the prices because teams that, you know, must win are going to get freaking taxed. Sure, and, you know, the Knights are, are in a race, obviously, the President's Cup and trying to hold on to the division lead. Uh, they're trying to finish out the season strong and everything else. I, I don't know. You know, the Wild are just kind of playing out the string as well, really. I mean, they're, they're two playoff teams. I think that there's going to be, you know, a little bit of intensity because the the Knights have been struggling so much against the Wild once again. Uh, and they, they want to show that they can beat them in case they have to match up with them in the playoffs. But it's not the most important game ever. Uh, I don't know that I would necessarily jump on it. I do know that there's been a struggle to score goals a lot of times when the Knights and the Wild play. I wouldn't mind taking the under in this game. But it's priced about right at five and a half with a little shade to the over. Maybe maybe you jump on if you can find an even money on the under, take the under. Uh, but I'm not I'm not too terribly interested in making this my you know go all in on game anything like that. I don't think there's a huge edge on either side here. Maybe a little bit of value at the wild at home, but the Knights have been so good lately. It's a tough one. Baseball is back. Coming up here in a. Matter of days, uh, and especially the, the home tilts. We're talking about AAA. Uh, the home tilts for the Aviators. So tickets went on sale today. Uh, I'm sorry. I just I love social media. Uh, Single-game tickets go on sale tomorrow at noon. Right? That's the Aviators tweet. Uh, one person here complaining about uh, not being able to buy individual tickets. I mean, we are still in a pandemic, and they are limited in terms of attendance. So right. you're gonna, it sucks, but you're going to have to wait. Yeah, or just buy multiple tickets, and if you can't find somebody to go, like sure give them can, away. I'm or, sure you could give them away or sell them. Right. It's going to be a hot ticket. Yeah. Uh, the third question is uh, noon Eastern or noon LV time. I'm just going to go on a limb. I mean, we might be wrong. You want to do it? I'm going to assume it's Las Vegas time. That's what I would think too. Why it's, would, it's not from the Aviators' home <laughs> office in Bangor, Maine. Well, they're also not really. I don't think the the market to buy tickets is like in you know Jersey. I think it's Vegas time. I'm, if I'm wrong, I'm sorry. My assumption is noon Pacific. This is a big deal. Triple A baseball being back, minor league baseball in general being back for all the cities, 
Like we're we're a pretty vibrant city, and we want you know we want our venues to be open. We want, uh, and by vibrant, I mean we're building, and you know. But there are a lot of small cities out there that depend on that AAA team for sure. you know a decent bump to the economy. And and the other thing is, you've got all the people who work in the organization, right? That's probably the most important. So all those people get back to work. And from a baseball development standpoint, last year was a disaster. Yeah. Like you've just got, and it's just weird when I the whole month of April, it's like uh, sent off to whatever it's called alternate camp. Wait, guys aren't playing already? No, they're not playing because they're starting AAA baseball in May. So it feels like, you know, most people lost real competition. All of them did. Lost real competition last year at every level in, turn, in terms of trying to develop. And then this year you're off to a slow, you know, you get a delayed start as well. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that year lost was, was rough. And the, like you said, they tried to make up for it. It wasn't there. Uh, for all the reasons that you said, it's not just the player development uh, aspect. It's the, the small towns and their baseball teams and the fans that like to go to them and the kids that – you know, love going and watching, and you know that want to play little league and look up to the kid, the guys that they don't they don't have major league teams. They can they have minor league teams in their town to look up to, and you know I've I've been to some of those towns where they look at those guys like they are major league players, and the the, the way they look up to them, everything. Um, and you've got like places like Vegas where there's employees at the stadium, and there's people that have businesses around the stadium that are helped out by games taking place, and um, all those things. Yeah, I think it's awesome. And listen, we had. Such a short period of time with that unbelievable stadium here in town to go out to games. It's a it's such a fun time to go to those games, and it's such a cool stadium to be at. It's just great to have it back. So, uh, Woody, a listener, walked up to us here at the D at Bar Canada, and he just hands me a note. He says, talk about Mark Davis, Gruden, going after a different quarterback. Carr isn't the answer. And then we had a couple more minutes to talk to him, and he kind of he laid it out for us. He said, He's a Green Bay guy, but he lives here now, so he thinks it'd be great to see Rodgers here. But then he didn't. He did start going in on the Packers and the way yeah. they handled the situation. Yeah. And his contention is they haven't really given Rodgers the best weapons over the years. They have a good run game now, but they've they haven't always had a loaded receiving core. And then he started going down the list of receivers that Favre had, and you know it was a pretty star-studded group. Even you know some guys who flamed out. They were really good for like two or three years. So I'm kind of glad that there's a you know there's a Packers fan out there. And to me, this should be, this should be all fans. It, it there's rarely a case where you can really get mad at the player. Generally, and there are some players who have been jackasses over the years, but generally, players want to play somewhere where one, they're going to get paid, but two, they're going to win. And in the case of Rodgers, it's not really about pay; it's about commitment on multiple fronts. And they don't seem to be committed. And now, I, I don't know. Like, I don't think I realized that there was this beef. That he, Rodgers, really, it sounds like he really doesn't like the GM. And then the GM's got to play it straight. But I don't know if the GM is like, you know, behind the scenes, F him. We've got the rights to him, so he ain't going anywhere. So he can do whatever he wants. He can sit out. But I but I will say back to the front end of this, Packers fans should be mad at? Packers. Yes. Not Aaron Rodgers. And I actually, I think you're a terrible fan if you're mad at Aaron Rodgers. Terrible. Terrible. And, I again, this is where the lava starts to flow. You sons of bitches have had a good quarterback for the better part of 30 freaking years. Well, 26 did, years between did, between Favre and Rodgers. And this I mean, this guy's better. He's better than Favre. And you're going to get annoyed with him because they have not guaranteed his salary and extended him out even further. And it doesn't sound like they listen to him. Like, he should be involved in the process. I'm not saying he gets final decision. But it's like this, hey, you know what, Aaron, we'll take care of it. You come back and play football when we tell you to play football. <laughs> no, no, no. That's not what this relationship is. That's not what it should be. 
I was actually listening to a, and I wish I knew who it was. I was in a podcast with somebody talking about this earlier today, and was just kind of talking about like, well, this is just the way it's done with the Packers. He wasn't defending it. He was actually kind of ripping them, but he was like, it's how it's been done for so long of, hey, listen, because it's run, you know, it's not, there's no owner. The GM has so much power and that for, for as long as going back to, you know, Ted Thompson and, and long before that, it's just the GM and the GM and the GM and he has all power and nobody questions and no players have say and no, you know, coaches really have much say in what goes on. It's just the GM is the be all end all there. And it got to a point where, like, well, that's not how the league operates anymore. No. Players do have power. Players do have say. And, like, if you're not going to – if you're not going to evolve with the league, then you're going to be passed by. And, and, and then – and when you do have major star players – and Rodgers is – you know, he's one of a handful of guys who get to be part of the organization and, and at least have some input. He's got to get that input. Now, that said, Seattle pulled – basically, I think Seattle is freaking they, – they stared – they had to stare down with Russell Wilson, and they they crushed him. Yep. They crushed him. They and I think they were part of that athletic story that didn't make Russell Wilson look very good. I didn't think about three months ago. Yeah, you know they said Russell was getting real petulant. And they and they put out that they basically just kind of slapped him silly and told him, you know, get back to your place, buddy. You're the quarterback. We take care of this. So that that whole power struggle, you know, Russell Wilson and and team team Russ, they didn't win it. What about they that? got back down. What about that being the trade, though? What straight up? What? No, there, there. I think there'd probably be other things involved. I don't even know how you would work it out. But if you're like, hey, neither one wants to be in their organization anymore, just switch. If I were Russell Wilson, I wouldn't want to go to Green Bay. I wouldn't either. And if I, I were Ciara, I wouldn't want to go to Green Bay. And while while Russell Wilson may complain, I. I think Will. I think Wilson's complaint is a bit, a little bit more about petulance than Rodgers. Although Rodgers, it sounds it's very, it's a very emotional deal because of the Jordan Love pick. Let, let's continue sure. on this because uh, well, wouldn't wouldn't Yoko be happy in the West Coast in Seattle? Though? Uh, we'll get to we'll get to Yoko Woodley, Shailene Woodley, in a couple minutes. But I wanted to tie in. You did uh, the soccer world and how like people here somehow football fans actually there are some of them who actually side with ownership, and I'm like, why? It, it's why why are you siding? With the bosses in in Europe, man, there's a pushback on the bosses. There are fan bases rising up, especially against these uh, American dudes who own European soccer teams. People are pissed there. Nova Home Loans brings you the three. It's a refi raid at Nova Home Loans. With interest rates at all-time lows, now's the time to talk to your local Nova loan officer. 877-700-NOVA. With the 17th pick in the 2021 NFL Draft, the Las Vegas Raiders select Alex Leatherwood, tackle Alabama. You're listening to Cofield and Company, live at Bar Canada inside the D. Oh, the Raiders are hoping that uh, Leatherwood is as good as Trent Brown when he's at his best. They hope they just drafted a, you know, a 5-7, 10-year right tackle. We'll see. A lot of thoughts on Leatherwood. We'll get more from the guys at Pro Football Focus in about 15 minutes with Eric Eager in from PFF. So we were just starting to talk about the 
Rodgers rift. But it looks like the GM of the Packers. And fans are starting to line up. We just had a fan walk up here at the D, a Packers fan, and he was like, yeah, you know what, I'd love to see him on the Raiders. And he started ripping into the Packers for not getting Rodgers enough weapons. Uh, just saw your guy, Adam Shine. I know you love him. He was joking around because this is actually not this is not really a positive, but this year's draft. Uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars have drafted more first-round skilled position players for Trevor Lawrence than the Packers have drafted for Aaron Rodgers. Now, we wow. don't like the Travis Etienne <laughs> pick at all. No, it's a silly not pick. at all. It's a silly pick at the end of the first round. But, you know, there's a point that he's trying to make there. It's interesting. Um, up on Twitter, our buddy Truth from Duluth, who was jumping in our live pod on Friday night, um, he says he's an owner of the Packers, you know, one of the billions of fans that own a little bit of stock. And he said, uh, he said, yes, I'm a terrible fan, according to you. You are. Um, and I don't care if you're an owner. Actually, the more I think about it, if if the majority of Packers fans who own some stock in the Packers are anti-Aaron Rodgers, you are terrible fans and you're terrible owners. Actually, you're, you know right. what? Maybe you're good owners because you're playing to what owners normally play to, which is an ego play, and the player's not going to tell me what to do. He's the franchise. And the only way... The only way owners like this, I won't even call him a fan, the only way owners are like um, are right on this and that Gutekunst is right on this, <laughs> right, the GM, is if Jordan Love is Favre and Rodgers. And he may be. Yeah. Right? Because believe me, I was on sports radio years ago when they were making the transition from Favre to Rodgers, and I'm sure, I don't remember what I said, but I was probably, I'm always pro player, I probably... I probably doubted that Favre would, I'm sorry, that Rodgers would be as good as Favre. Right. So they may have it. They may have it, and they're like, you know what, dude? You're not, you're not going to push this around. And they also, they may lean on the fact that high-dollar quarterbacks generally don't lead to winning Super Bowls. Right. So, but so they if, may be right. If that was the case, they should have traded him at the beginning of the offseason. And that's the problem is that they're letting this play out. And what happens when this stuff plays out publicly? The, you lose your leverage, and you get less for the player. Yeah. So I, they have not handled it. If he's this pissed off, they've not handled this correctly. Yeah, and I listen, I thought, you know, Wednesday when we were talking about this, before the draft started, my my take was, and this is before the Rodgers news really surfaced. I mean, we'd heard rumors for, for months or whatever, but it se- sounded like the Packers were fully committed to him. And that, you know, they, they were ready to, to move forward with him as the quarterback until that news started coming out just before the draft. But my thought was, trade love. Like, clearly it was a wasted pick. You screwed up by taking him. Rodgers is hurt that he's there. You could probably get decent value for him. Trade him. And so I thought he was going to be available. And then all of a sudden the draft comes and it's, yeah, Rodgers isn't going to play there anymore. He wants out. He needs to be traded. Uh, and it got ugly. And now... You're not going to get the same value if if the if the plan was, hey, love is the man. He might be a year away, but he's the man. He's our guy. We're going to go with him, and the transition's going to happen. Then you should have traded Rodgers at the beginning of the offseason when you could have got probably three first round picks and more for him. But now, what is it going to be? I mean, if, if I'm another team, I'm like, okay, well, I'll, I'll give you a pretty good deal, but like, is he is he ready to quit? Is he going to play? Like, where is his mind? Like, I, I don't even know anymore. And how much am I going to give up knowing that you have to trade him? You do realize the ownership thing with the Packers, because it's, you know, the most unique setup in all sports. 
it does add another layer here. And I mean, how many how many fans really get what's going on here? And that you can find another Gutekunst. Maybe you found another Rogers. I doubt it. Doubtful. It's easier to find a GM than, than and and in the well, I'll call it the region, even though they're you know they're they're rival regions in the Midwest. All you have to do is look to the South, and Jabba the Bull effed up the Bull so hmm. badly at the end of their run by not holding that thing together for another four or five years, and it started with you know one allowing Scottie Pippen to be stupid and then torturing over his stupidity right when he signed that dumb long term deal, which was at you know, probably 30 cents on the dollar, and they're just like, you did it to yourself. Like, fix it. Don't break the team up because you have an ego. And now this could be happening again with the Packers where the Packers could get another five years out of Aaron Rodgers, but they may F this up because of an ego play. Yeah, and I mean, I don't even know what it is. It's a communication thing more than an ego thing to me, really. Um Nobody really has come up with a definitive answer of how they handled the draft last year. I mean, what, the story that came out the other day, and choose to believe this or not, but that they didn't even tell the floor they were taking a quarterback. That one's weird. Where it's like, yeah, we're taking a quarterback, and we draft him, and the floor's like, wait, what? You took a what? Like, I have, I came here to work with Aaron Rodgers. God. Like, what, do you, what do you mean? He's another guy. You know, if that's the case, he, he really should just walk after this year. Just go find the best quarterback situation and leave. Well, I mean, if they, if they, especially if they screw up and they get nothing back for Rodgers, or they don't get fair value back for him, well, they're not going to get. Bo, there's no no such thing. Then both then both should leave. Yeah, I mean, he should. How's that? He should by the way, another job right away. By the way, how's that, owners? <laughs> how's that? I oh, own a piece of the team, huh? Enjoy. Hey, guess who's got leverage? The coach who, whatever he is now, what, what I don't. Know, what is he over twenty eight and five in his first two years? I think I, got, I just did 33 games, but whatever, 27 and 5. The 26 young. 26 and 6, I think. Okay. The young coach who's been a complete stud, or, you know, the guy who was Tom Brady esque, minus the Super Bowl rings. <laughs> yeah, you, but, but you have the power. You're right. The GM and the, all the 5 billion owners. Well, you guys are in well, power. It, it's the problem with, and it's not just the, the only thing, but it is a, a big part of it is that the tradition, the tradition, the tradition of this is what the Packers are, this is what the Packers right. do. Well, you were, yeah, you were successful in the 50s and the 40s or whatever. It's not that time anymore. It's not even the 60s anymore. This is not the way Vince would have done it. Good. Vince couldn't do what Vince did now. Yeah, good. Vince didn't have the forward pass. So let's for, forget oh, no, I, I know he did. But like let's let's pretend, let's not pretend like you know he would win in today's football. It's not the same thing. It's totally different. I, I just said a minute ago the smartest person in all of sports by far to me is not he was yes he was a football player. But he was a you know a data scientist at Harvard, and like that's that's who that's who's smart now. That's who's running things now, the right people. And you're not you can't live in the '60s and think that that's how you run things anymore. It doesn't work. Fans in Europe are different. The soccer thing is has blown up. Oh yeah. What is? They're so mad they forced a cancellation yesterday. Of a big game, too, yeah. Wow. Uh, Manchester United was going to play Liverpool. Uh, pretty big game in the Premier League. A game I was excited to watch. Network television yesterday morning. I was like, oh, got through this draft. I can, can watch some, from, some soccer on a Sunday morning. It's going to be great. And then I get the notification 
game canceled because the fans have taken over the stadium. The fans of Manchester United, they they protested and took over the field to the point that they couldn't play the game and they weren't sure about the safety uh, of playing the game. So they canceled it. And it's a very interesting phenomenon that the fans are furious at the American owners of Manchester United, which is the Glazer family. And the biggest thing right now, I mean, there's a lot of issues and, and there's always been kind of some resistance to American ownership, but the biggest thing now for those that weren't following it is the ridiculous Super League plan that ignored tradition completely. It was 100% a money grab. Right. It was college football trying to put four teams in from the SEC right. into the Final Four. But even even worse, like in that and case. And the same four schools, too. And so, so you could have a school. That, like in the SEC, they'd be pissed off. You, yeah. you could have, you know, you name whoever you want to name as the four. You know, LSU. And then LSU goes three and eight. LSU's always in. Well, I'll, 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 take, an, I'll take a different approach because it's what I, what I think is closer maybe. Is the, you know, every year you're playing to try to qualify for the Champions League. And the top four from the Premier League, you know, top certain amount of teams from every other league in Russia, or in Russia, excuse me, and from all, all around Europe, they make uh, the Champions League. And you play like a tournament that lasts pretty much the whole year to find out the best team in all of Europe from all these different leagues. So it's essentially like the NCAA tournament every year. You, know, you play your way into this tournament that goes on and you see who the best team out of all the leagues is. And what, what happened over there was basically, you know, 12 of the teams. So let's say Duke, Carolina, you know, UCLA, Gonzaga, whatever, got together and said, you know what, we take the chance every year that we don't make this tournament, right? Like, this is stupid. Let's just do our own thing. 12 assigned teams every year. And we don't have to worry about getting in the NCAA tournament and being a part of their tournament. We're just going to make our own thing so we're automatically in it every year and we can get all this money. And the fans were like, wait a minute. We've loved this tournament forever. We've loved the NCAA tournament. We like how you have to play your way into it. What are you doing? And especially, you come from America and then go for this money grab with this team you're running? Screw you. You're out. So they're trying to overthrow the team the team ownership, essentially. The Glazers have come out today and said, we're not selling. So it's going to be a standoff here. But that's essentially what they did is try to make it so they can get guaranteed cash every year and not have to play their way into it and not have to play in the Champions League, which people love. They mess with the wrong people. Yes. The fans there are freaking psychos. Eric Eager's on the way. We're going to grade the uh, get the PFF grade of the Raiders draft. And we'll get back to this. Uh, fans versus the players. Fans bonded with the players. A lot of interesting stuff going on in terms of power plays around the world of sports. Visit LVSportsNetwork.com for access to the latest podcasts and best interviews. But, like, the Raiders are still leaving hundreds on the floor for, like, Baltimore's and, you know, Cleveland, all the teams picking behind them. And that's, like, one of the funniest things about the draft, too. When the dumb teams do dumb things, it, like, backs up, like, options for the good teams. You're listening to Cofield and Company, live at Bar Canada Inside the D. PFF folks, not happy with the Raiders draft. All right, we've had a couple of days to think about it. Eric Eager, what are you guys thinking now about uh, the beginning of the draft for the Raiders with uh, Alex Leatherwood? Uh, I think my quote there sort of says it all. Like, yeah. I, I'm, I'm pretty sure that uh, 
you know, that uh, what was it, Billy Bean that said that? You know, Oakland former Oakland general manager said, you know, there there are hundred dollar bills laying on the floor all the time. Eventually, there'll be one dollar bills, but they'll st- we'll still pick them up. It's like the Raiders still like leaving out one hundred. <laughs> well, Le- Leatherwood was a really good college player. Uh, the you know does it project necessarily as well in the pros? And I think there are some people that questioned whether he can even play tackle uh, at the NFL level. Uh, wh- how do you see him? You know, kind of making that transition because he, like I said, he was good, but maybe he he's not ready to play at the NFL level right now. Yeah, I think he's a perfectly fine draft pick. It's just that you overpaid for him. It's like it's sort of um, you know it, it, it's sort of like you know buying a you know a, a Porsche. You know, or, or paying Porsche prices for, you know, like a, a Saab. Like, the Saab's a fine car, but, like, you know, when everybody else prices it one way and you go and pay, you know, $100,000 for it, like, you're you're certainly not uh, doing the right thing, even if that car ends up being a 15-year car for you. Uh, I first want to say before we move on, uh, keep it in mind for next year, people, the PFF Live Draft Tracker is one of the greatest things I've ever seen. Uh, I was so fired up following it uh, on uh, throughout the weekend. It was incredible. So great work uh, by you guys there. Uh, how did the Raiders do as they kind of move through the rest of the draft? I thought uh, Merrick was a good recovery in the second round and then just added pieces on the defensive side. Yeah, we said if Merrick would have gone in the first round and then Leatherwood in the second, no one would have batted, no one would have batted an eyelash, right? And it's sort of that like randomization of the Mike Mayock era that's sort of so weird. Um, right. And, and we've seen that a number of times in their draft where, you know, they end up with like Max Crosby's perfectly good value. Uh, and then in the same draft where they take Cleel and Farrell, everybody's 15th player fourth. Um, and it's just really, you know, again, it's, it's one of those where, uh, you know, it, it, again, you guys are in Vegas. I think it, it, it's sort of like Mayock will, will like an underdog and he'll just go to the window and bet them minus 110, you know, like every single time. And sometimes the books slip up and give him a favorite for minus 110 money line. But most of the time, he's just getting bad value all the time. And, and, and you know, uh, they, 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 a lot of them haven't hit. But the Merrick pick was a good one. Uh, he was the, the favorite uh, to go off the board first as a safety. Um, but, uh, but yeah, it, 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 the, the Leatherwood pick sort of clouds the whole thing. But, um, you know, it, it, he could still be valuable. The... I know when they took Nate Hobbs in the fifth round, which, uh, you know, I, I, I love how people uh, pretend like they know. Like some, you know, some random person is like, ah, I watched Hobbs play a game. He was great. Like, okay, settle down. Nobody, nobody that's just an average fan has all these details on all these players. It just makes me laugh sometimes. But I know you guys had him as the lowest rated corner that you would uh, put on the big board in this draft, 43rd out of, 40, out of 43. Uh, he's a guy that has, like, the measurables – but he never really all put it all together in college. Like, is it possible to draft a guy like that that you can develop into something that's really good? Yeah, I think we see examples of this all the time where players are better pros than they are in college in many ways um, because, you know, the college they played at didn't have great resources or, or you know, great talent evaluation. Um, but, you know, like, for example, like Alvin Kamara was a backup running back at Tennessee, right? And like, he ends up being extremely good once going to New Orleans. Um, you know, Danelle Hunter had like four sacks his whole career at LSU. Um, you know, so that can happen. Certainly it's not something I'd bank on repeatedly though. Right. Cause we know that measurements, uh, are, I think, a, a, a tiebreaker for football players 
but not necessarily. They don't make for necessarily the best uh, first thing to look at. I guess. I almost I never mute or block anybody on Twitter. I almost muted somebody the other day because they were just they kept going off about uh, about you you guys are pro football focused and you don't get that the Raiders like to draft guys with good character that love football and you just don't understand that. The Raiders of all teams, by the way, <laughs> right? The the, the the franchise that led the league in penalties for like three decades, <laughs> right? I just love those takes from people that you know you can't you can't measure heart in your analysis. Here's the interesting thing about the Raiders because I always do this with Vikings fans. I grew up in Minnesota. I'm really hard on the Vikings, and they always talk to me, you know, sort of as if I'm missing something. And I'm like, guys, there's no Super Bowls in your back pocket. You have literally no trump card. You you're like you're 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 trying you're you're acting like you have like to me it's like if PFF was wrong about the Raiders all the time, then. <laughs> Uh, Damon Arnett should be a pro bowler by now, or Lynn Bowden Jr. should still be on the team, or Amik, you know, I- I'm trying to think of even, uh, Trayvon Mullen and Jonathan Abrams should be serviceable play. Like, you know, at some point you have to like look in the mirror and say, like, you know, w- we continue to do this, and PFS continues to say this, and we continue to be an arm's length away from Kansas City, and we, ha- you know, and we continue to have tons of needs going into the draft. Who do you think the best GM is in the division in the AFC West? Oh, that's a good one. I think Peyton in Denver is is having a really good start. I think they're really building a roster. If they get Aaron Rodgers, I mean, we saw their win total jump up a win and a half. That that's substantial. The Chargers, I think, are moving in the right direction. But um, the the funnest thing about the twenty twenty one season is going to be to figure out how they end up having a losing record with that roster. Um, <laughs> so for now, I think I have to go with Brett Beach. I don't think Beach is perfect. He's never traded up, or sorry, he's never traded back. Um, and I think he's a little too confident, um, and that leaves him out to dry with things like Frank Clark, um, you know. And hopefully Orlando Brown isn't this way, but you know, I think that that's another Frank Clark-like move. Um, but you know, he I, he obviously pounded the table for Patrick Mahomes, and that's changed the course of the franchise forever. So I, I think I have to give it to him. Eric, we appreciate it, man. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me on, guys. There he is, Eric Eager. PFF.com, Pro Football Focus. Uh, great to sign up for all the VIP packages and get all the uh, post-draft coverage. And believe me, the season previews are starting already. And then they're, they've got their uh, set of podcasts that they do that were or that are unbelievable. PFF.com. All right. This is a good giveaway. 364-1100, We'll make it easy today. Caller 11, how about this? You get a Golden Knights jersey. And you go into the hopper for game tickets. Golden Knights jersey going out right now. Caller 11. Talk to Ari. 364-1100-364-1100. Join the conversation on Twitter at ESPN Las Vegas. Really, really impressed with him as a kid. Good size, looks in the eyes, really humble, really thoughtful. And after meeting him, it's funny. I sent a text to a couple of GMs that I thought may have the chance to get him. One of them, John Lynch. So I text John. I said, hey, I just met Trey Lance. I don't know what you're doing with the number three pick. Blah, 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 blah. Totally impressed. Humble. What a great kid. And John's like, thanks, Colin. I don't hear anything. Then after the third pick tonight, I get a couple of fist bumps texted to me by John Lynch. Now, back to Cofield and Company, live at Bar Canada, inside the D. Now that's power. Colin Cowherd convincing the Niners to take Trey Lance. That that final push 
over the top. That's what I got out of the story. Now he immediately said after that, I had nothing to do with the pick, but we cut that part off. Couldn't he be, couldn't he be influencing wagers now? I mean, if you really knew that he had that much power, that would have been nice to know that Trey Lance was going to be the guy. Could have cashed on that one. Or did he go bet Trey Lance and then send the text and say, hey, I was really impressed by this kid. Damn. Diners leaning on radio hosts for their picks. I, I don't think the pick's very good anymore. <laughs> I don't know that's why they took him. Not the case. Not the case. Uh, we're getting ready for hockey tonight. VGK is taking on the Wild. 5 o'clock puck drop. They've got specials on Heineken Coors Light with the pitchers. And then they've also got a special Vegas Golden Knights Collector's Cup that you can buy. So come on down here. This is a hockey bar, first and foremost. All the sports are on, but the sound will be on hockey. And the Golden Knights go at it against the Wild tonight in a very big game. You know another place that has a great shot and beer special? Seems weird while I'm here at the D that I'd be promoting another place's shot and beer special, right? I was gonna guess, but <laughs> I don't want to. Well, I'll give you I'll give you the answer. New Jersey. Oh, okay. I was gonna say the D. Have you seen this or one? Or circa. Yeah, right. You're gonna stay in the family? No. Yeah. <laughs> um the state of New Jersey has actually worked out a program. For a shot and a beer. Get vaccinated, receive a free beer. I'm in. Can I get it again? Uh, I mean, my guess is you could bring your Vax card next time you're going to be in the Garden State, as long as this thing is running. But, yeah, they've got, it looks like, 13 locations around the state, mostly uh, brewing companies, breweries, that will give you a free beer if you come in and go, I got my shot. I mean, if you get your shot because it's a free beer. <laughs> whatever. Whatever it takes. I'll take it. You're a drinker. You like beer. <laughs> I if mean, that pushed you over, that, uh, if that was the Colin nudge you needed, yeah, I'm going to get the shot. I get a free beer. I was going to say, like, I feel like my brother would do that, but I also f- I feel like he, he's getting the shots anyway. Right. Uh, your, brother, yeah, your brother would be one of, certainly a candidate for that. What if you went in and they're like, ah, that beer's too strong. You can't, you can't get that beer for the shot. The, the beers that go in a little six-ounce glass, sorry, man. ABV is like 10.2 on that one. You just so get you get, you get our lowest ABV, like a, you know, a blonde, a 4.7. That's, that's a, my favorite beer in the world. I think it's only available in like three or four places here in town. That's, that's one of those. Yes. But You're I feel very like, fancy. Yeah, if they, don't, uh, if they don't allow that, then, yeah, I'm out. I'm not going to get the shot. No, it's ridiculous. Listen, it's insane that we have to do this, but thank you, New Jersey, for doing this. I appreciate They're it. They're trying – they're trying to do something. Again, if this is this is like the same people and I, I don't wanna you know, I don't wanna pile on like you know, Joe Rogan had to apologize for saying, you know, if you're healthy you don't have to get it. And he's like, w- w- who's listening to me? Well a lot of people are. They are. Like, I, I kinda like the apology. He's like, I'm a moron. Yeah, he's like I'm an idiot. Don't listen to me. But but but, pe- but people do. People do. And so in this case, like I, we're thinking, who's getting this just because you're getting a free beer out of it? Probably some people. So good. Let's let's make that happen then. Let's expand that program. I was looking at the map here. It doesn't look like there's a lot of places for Eagles fans to go. In South Jersey, you get their, you know, have your shot, get your free beer. Nothing in the Trenton. Actually, that's a, that's one of the closest locations. There you is go. Ewing, New Jersey. But anyway, um, I wanted to mention Philadelphia. I don't have a good segue. Uh, did you see 
that uh, the gigant, the mammoth lineman they got from Alabama, joking or not, said he he actually apologized. I think it was to Sirianni for beating him at rock paper scissors. <laughs> was it Landon Dickerson? What did I say? No, you said the big the big lineman. Oh, I didn't say his name. Yeah, Landon yeah. Dickerson. Sorry, uh, Alabama. Yeah. I, I mean, this was the running thing for all of the draft. Anytime the Eagles took anybody, it'd be like, well, he must have been really good at rock paper scissors. Because the story came out that the Eagles, uh, one of the things they like to do is gauge competitiveness. So they like to get guys in competitive situations. You couldn't really do that this year because you couldn't bring them into a facility. So it was over Zoom, the rock, paper, scissors, and to see how competitive you got. They mu- This must have been a real you know, swing. Like they came in, like they're like, ah, oh, this guy, he wasn't very good in college. Oh, but he's really good at rock, paper, scissors. We're, ta- we're taking him. I don't think that was happening, but it's funny to think that. So that was a good conversation. That was a real good conversation. And you, you got to see a lot of the calls. The Raiders put out oh, the calls. Yeah. I thought this one was interesting. This was the call between Matt Rule, the Panthers coach, and the long snapper they drafted. I think it was sixth round, right? Thomas Seventh, I thought. Thomas Fletcher, I think his name is. Yeah. So here's Fletcher jumping on the phone, and Rule starts out, like, real casual. Because the draft's still going on. I think the kid's like... I'm a long snapper. I'm, I'm gonna, you know, gonna be signed after the draft. I'm not gonna be. I'm not gonna be drafted. Yeah, the kid believes he's going to be an undrafted free agent. No one drafts long snappers. So when he gets a call from Matt Rule, he thinks that he that Matt Rule is calling and trying to talk him into because all these teams are gonna offer you know free agent deals, right. and he's like, oh, Matt Rule is calling me to try to talk me into signing there. So listen to the beginning of this. What's up, brother? You coming or what? I'm trying to figure it out right now. No, 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 no. I just drafted you. You coming or what? Are you? Yeah, bro. No, you did not. Yeah. Are you serious? Yeah, man. Welcome to the Carolina Panthers. Dude, chill out, brother. (laughs) Dude, I cannot wait to help you win, man. (laughs) I cannot wait to help you win. I love it. I love it. Well, hey, here's Thank you, brother. Thank you. Here's a moment, Mr. Tepper. Hold on. (laughs) Flesher, you're going to be good in Carolina. Dude, let's go, baby. You ready, man? You ready? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Corp, are you kidding me? Am I ready? (laughs) <laughs> I'll walk my happy ass to Carolina right now, dude. You walking? Oh, what? If you want me to, I'll crawl on my hands and knees, bro. There you go. Long snapper draft in the si- drafted in the sixth round, bro, dude, with the coach and the billionaire owner, David Tepper. I saw uh, a guy who covers a lot of MMA that I know from years ago, a guy named Stephen Douglas, put it out, and uh, but I remember him when he was young, the reporter. Yeah. And he sent it out. And he was like, kind of weird, huh? The language with the coach and the owner, like, basically pulling the kids these days. What do you think of that? I loved this. I actually liked it a lot. The owner, well, I like that the owner is cool being called bro and dude. Um, but I really like it with Rule because I think Matt, Matt Rule clearly is a player's guy. And re- you really relates to players because he was a player and he still acts like a player at times. He's out there, you know, running drills and stuff. I thought it was cool. I loved every bit of it because it was so it was so real and genuine. Like, it, you, first of all, the first part of the conversation, obviously, the kid is like, he's in a weird spot where he's trying to figure out, all right, I'm going to have all these offers. Where am I going to sign? He's trying to be nice to Rule. He's like, yeah, Rule's he's like, like, you coming? He's like, I don't know. I like, decided yet. I got to like figure my, out. My, my agent's got to tell me, basically. Like, I, who's going to give me the best deal? Who's going to get the best contract? Where am I going to go? <laughs> he's like, I'm trying to decide. He's like, no, no, I drafted. You're coming here. And he's just so excited and happy about it. And you're right. He's just having a normal conversation 
with Rule, but it's it's also so unexpected. Like, how would you gather your thoughts if you were just told like your dream came true and you actually got drafted instead of signing a free a free agent deal? And then I will say I don't even know. I it sounds to me like he doesn't even hear that he's being passed to the owner. Uh, I don't think so either. Like I think he's just like maybe he thinks he's talking to a special teams coach or the GM, whatever. He's even then, who knows? But I don't think it matters. Like it, it's just being genuine. And I think even Tepper would probably tell you that. And Tepper is among the cooler owners, I think. But um, I think even Tepper would be like, yeah, this, like what do I want this guy to like all of a sudden switch to yes sir, no sir? Like he's excited. This is the biggest moment of his life. This is cool. It's cool that he was able to talk in in the way that he would normally talk and not you know corporate it up. Just all of a sudden flip a switch to that. I, I wouldn't want that. I, I would want him to talk like this. What do you think of the move? It was what, at least two teams took long snappers in the draft, right? Two, yeah. Back to back. Yeah, yeah. The run started on the long run. snappers. Uh, only one kicker in the draft, two long snappers, and, I mean, I'm sure you're excited because Fat Punter went. Like, that's got to be one of the most exciting things that you've seen in the entire draft. I love it. You know I'm down with 260-pound punter. Uh, any, 260? Any day of the week. Uh, Try to be a little slimming. Yeah, easy on the 260. Presley Harvin, the punter, uh, probably 275. And he actually talked about it after the draft. He was he was like, I've heard, I've heard comments. I've seen the comments every time our games were televised. And, you know, hey, why does Georgia Tech have an offensive tackle punting? Like, he's like, I've seen it. I've heard it. Uh, but he was really drafted. And, listen, this is the, the way the game is going. Uh, yeah, he led the nation in punting last year, which I think, by the way, cool that uh, first first ever African-American punter to lead the nation in punting. Uh, first to win the Red Guy Award, too. Pretty cool story. But at, at, his, at his pro day, uh, it wasn't just about punting. They wanted to see him pass. They heard he could throw. So let's see. Because, it, it, you know, you need those punters that can do a little bit of everything. And the fake punt is a big story now. It's a big part of the game. And they want to make sure that he can punt. Or that he could throw, and he could, so he gets drafted. But fat punter has to be on your high on your list of favorite athletes in in pro sports. Of course, the oddity. Have you ever done a story on a long snapper? I'm sure I have. I think a. I'm not trying to heap work upon you, but I think a long snapper story would be interesting in how specialized the position oh. is getting. So this kid Thomas Fletcher. I actually met his dad like five years ago Wow! via Dan Dolby at Learfield. Uh, his father was hanging out at Born and Raised one night. Really? And he starts telling me the story about the kid. And basically, you know, the kid was a high school football player. But somewhere along the way, they're like, all right, this is what you're going to do. We're going to train at the highest level for you to be a long snapper and go to the best school possible and then maybe make the NFL. So they've been, I don't know exactly how long they've been grooming him to be a long snapper but i'm guessing back to probably when he was 13 14 15 years old because when i was talking to him that five years ago um and he was telling me like yeah he's at img and every school in the country is in on him including alabama and i was like you know you know you talk to parents and you're like come on and then i start looking him up i'm like oh crap he is the number one long snapper in the country right like th- this is but I guess there's other there's other positions like that in sports, but it's pretty freaking unique. Very rare. And you can I mean, if he's if he's in the NFL for twelve years and this is what he does, he's gonna make a nice living. Sure. And these are coveted guys. Oh. Especially when it's a, a six round pick. And that's what he does. It was funny, I was listening to satellite radio 
um, one of the afternoon shows on my way in, and they were talking about this Fletcher kid. No, you know what? They were talking to the, uh, the whatever, the GM or the director of player personnel with the Panthers, and they started talking about drafting a long snapper. And then the host was like, can he tackle? And I'm thinking to myself, I don't know that you want him to tackle. Because now because, you, because they can get down the field, you know, for in large part yeah. untouched. But I, I like, is there a certain value put on the position where you're like, dude, I don't know if I want you tackling unless it's a desperation situation. Well, I don't, I don't think you want him like flying around. But I think you want him to be like make a safe, like just wrap somebody up and drag him down. I mean, this kid's six foot, about two thirty five. The guy who got drafted after him was a little bigger. I think he was like six three, two forty. But yeah, I thought this kind of interesting pretty that, small for... that you you may be able to train a kid who's got good size. I mean, it's not going to be me, you know. At whatever five nine and one fifty five in high school, training to be a freaking long snapper at Alabama, the kid's got to have some size. He's got to be a good high school football player at a certain level. But I just I think the the culmination of the story here was really cool. When I was sitting there Saturday, and I actually texted over to Dolby, and I was like, "Hey, that's that's a kid," because I already knew he was achieving at Alabama, and I'm like, "He got drafted." Yeah, it's amazing. But it's also uh, the the mental aspect of being a long snapper is insane because it's one of those things. Where literally you could, as you said, you could have a twelve to fourteen year career, and do your job perfectly. You could be the best in the in the business, and nobody would know or care until you screw up. Cofield and Company will be back in minutes, right here on ESPN Las Vegas.